Hey, Rebecca. Welcome to Hardy Party Five and a Half. Well, thanks. It's pretty early here in Texas. It's pretty early. But Hardy Party Five and a Half is going international. That's right. International, baby. We have an interview from Austria today. Her name is Kati Byrol, and she is a bobsledder. She was in the Olympics, the Beijing Olympics, and she is full of fascinating information. And I just thought she was so delightful. Of course, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm pretty delightful at one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, yeah, that's too. one thing I've learned is that Austria is seven hours ahead of us. Right. So, so we was... <laughs> we get up pretty early to make sure we could make this happen. Yeah, I really think it's kind of fun. Our, our interviews with the Olympians that we've had just learning about they all have one thing in common the the food in Beijing they don't tend to love. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so far that's a commonality. We we still have one more to interview, but I'm telling you, you'll learn a lot today on this interview with Kati, the bobsledder from Austria. Hope you enjoy it. So you, you grew up in Austria, right? Yeah. So what was it like growing up there? Like winter sports, just a part of your daily life there always growing up? Um, it's not daily life. Like I now live in Innsbruck, but I grew up in the Eastern part of Austria, a small village close to Vienna, which is no mountains. But nevertheless, with like three years old, my father took me to the mountains one hour away and I had to learn skiing. So <laughs> it's definitely a big thing. It gets um, lower the last years because it also gets way more expensive. And so mm -hmm. therefore, it's quite hard. But when I used to go to school, we had like, I attended two or three skiing weeks, just like what a whole class with the teachers are going skiing and you can like learn ski or you just go in the advanced class which is like also helping to do so. Do you spend the night on those? Like it's a spend the night two or three weeks or you go home and go back or it's like, a, it's like no. an overnight camp. It's in a hostel, like for a week or five days. Oh, okay. The bus and then you're just going skiing. Yeah. How old were you when you were doing that? I think the first time was with 11 or 12 oh, and then okay. 13, something like this. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> no, I know that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. We have to travel here. I mean, we go skiing almost every year in Colorado and it's 12 to 14 hours. Yeah. There's nothing in Texas that, yeah. Yeah. So we have to drive a little bit. That's what I was <laughs> I was surprised that I got a few weeks ago told that you can ski in Australia. So I would be very impressed now if you can go skiing in Texas too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could see in Australia. Me neither. <laughs> they have uh, some people that do this. They have some white sands here. There's an area, just a very small area of Texas 
um, that has like some white sands that people like surf on, yeah. but there's no sand. But it's and it's hot. <laughs> but today we're supposed to have snow, which is weird. It's supposed to snow yeah. here today, yeah. Is it snowing there? No, we have like yeah. we had a very sunny week, no no rain, no snow, and now it's like six to seven degrees, so it's quite unlikely that it will snow down to the yeah. But it's also like super dry, which is like causing us some problems already. So oh, like yeah. a lot of snow to nothing. It's like yeah. Oh yeah. We usually get snow like once a year. And if we get snow today, it'll be like the third time this year, which is weird. It's weird, yeah. yeah. We've switched weather with Austria. <laughs> right, exactly. So I read that most of your parents were in track and field, like world class track and field. So did you try that when you were a kid? And how did you end up in the bobsledding? Yeah, so like my mother, she was a hurdler, but then she switched to long jumps for the Seoul 88 games because the limits were too high in hurdling. My dad was a hammer thrower and I was like, I grew up on the track and field area. So the real training, I started with six, which is like in the children's crew group. Most of the time you just play games and compete against each other, which then needed myself to be a hurdler. But I stopped because I went to like a tourism school. So you in Austria, you can learn a job while you go to school and you still get like the grade that can that lead you to university if you want to. So it's quite a good system. But it was like five times a week for 10 hours. So from eight to five, which was too yeah. long. So I stopped the track thing. And then I moved to Innsbruck and when I was 19 to start my law studies. And I wanted to go back to the track and field crew. But I, I didn't really like it there. And they're like, yeah, if you don't like it here, then go to the bobsledders. They're always <laughs> looking for someone. So the next day I called the national coach and somehow scouted myself and started piloting a sled the same year. Oh, okay. No, we know nobody that somebody says, go be a bobsledder. Yeah. Just go be a bobsledder. That doesn't, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> it doesn't seem like an option. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not an option. But that is so cool and also is your are you like super competitive with your parents are they like do you guys play games and it's like everybody seems like an athlete is it hardcore or no with my parents i don't play too many games but with everything i do where it's against each other i'm very competitive so i don't like <laughs> losing too much yeah you go all out but the okay. boys. yeah we have three boys and they're 23 23 21 and 19 so it's always pretty competitive here at our house, for sure. Okay. <laughs> physical yeah, physically competitive. Yeah. Okay, how did your family bathroom inspire you to become an Olympian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw said this in some interview. Now it's out in the internet. Um, my <laughs> mom, as she was um, 1988 in the Seoul Olympics, she used to hang her um, certificate. I mean, she just became 21st because she fucked up her first two jumps. But this, I just remember that this her certificate was hanging on the toilet. So everyone who was going into the, like into the flat, because someone you go to the toilet, you'll see that one. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> Olympics, it was always a pretty big thing in our family. So yeah. that's not inspiring me because like I would have done this way anyways, because there was... Yeah always as a goal but it's a fun thing to tell i think so what are you going to hang in your bathroom for your children <laughs> i don't have any olympic certificates because now you just get one when you are better than eight so maybe i can get this one in in yeah Italy, 2026 yeah 
I'm thinking, what do we have? What would we have hung in the bathroom to inspire our children? We have a softball championship shirt. We can yeah, we, we won yeah. softball league one Good, time. Yeah. <laughs> Very we local. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's a few things we wanted to know about Austria. So we're going to ask you about Austria, and then you can ask us about Texas. Hopefully we can have answer. Have you been to Texas? No. I've, okay. I've never been. okay. Yeah. So Rebecca, why don't you go I first? I just want to know, like, what are the most popular foods in Austria? Like, you, you've you come in, you've been out of the country, and you want some comfort food from your place. What do you get? It's definitely Wiener Schnitzel. Like, okay. Also, like, when, when we came home from China, the food was not too good there. The first thing everyone wanted was, like, schnitzel. And it's also a big thing for me. So sometimes when we're in the season, we cook by ourselves and then... Like once a year, we make some schnitzel. The last time we did it in France and we made like 60 or 70 schnitzel and feed the Monegas team and our coaches and everyone is like liking it because there are some places where you can get it out of Austria, like in Germany, but uh-huh. they're not very good most of the time. So this is like <laughs> really good just in Austria, I would say. Oh, that's yeah. funny. We we had um, Ashley Caldwell on who did aerials in Beijing. She was telling us the food was terrible in Beijing also. She agrees with you. Um, she wanted a cheeseburger and a beer when she got back to the United States. But my sister-in-law is, is from Germany, and she makes a schnitzel. Hey, remind, I'm not as cultured as y'all. Remind me what schnitzel is. Isn't it like a tell? You tell us. I'm not going to guess. Very thin meat. You like punch it until it gets very thin, and then you put bread crumbs and egg over it, and you're just like deep fried. Anything deep fried is going to be good, right? I need to try schnitzel now. (laughs) Okay, we'll try to make that. But like, it has to be very thin and the oil has to be hot, but it's like, it's not too hard if you just make the schnitzel very thin, but this is the most common mistake. Most of the people. What kind of meat is it? Oh, you can choose. Um, The original is veal, but uh, I don't really like pork too much. Most of the time you you get it um, with pork because it's cheaper. I do it with like just some poultry. Either it's... Uh or something else that yeah. works okay okay we're gonna do it okay we got this <laughs> okay so i've always been obsessed you know this, of like staying in a european castle so have you have you been to one and i mean what was it like do you have castles around Innsbruck? That you've yeah gone we have to? a lot of, we have a lot yeah. of castles i've never stayed in one to be honest it's not quite common it's also yeah. like very comfortable like they're they're pretty cold and there's not much like nice things in there but like um vienna is like the most famous ones the biggest ones the nicest ones if you ask myself so i've been a lot of times to some castles doing like showing my friends from abroad um how it looked we have a lot of this still in austria yeah so yeah, when, we, it, when we when we go to austria i'm staying with her while you sleep because yeah i'm not gonna yeah. sleep as she has sealed the deal for me I've, I've always thought cold and wet and she is so that's what i want to ex- i want like the like how they lived back then okay i'll go learn how to make schnitzel okay. with Kati. i don't want to see how they lived it's not like if they just put all their things on the toilet out the, from the toilet out of the street so stuff yeah. like this for a weekend, though. No. Not okay, is there anything you've ever wanted to know about Texas? How can you handle the, the heat? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> you kind of get used to it. And well, you thankfully, know, we have air conditioning. I mean, yeah, yeah. well, I don't know how you handle it if you don't, but there's just a certain month out of the year, at least month, maybe one month, that you just don't spend a lot of time outside. 
Well, I don't. I think it's July, August where it's pretty yeah. brutal. Yeah. I mean, that you just you stay inside. That's how you handle it. You you play a lot of board games and do a lot of puzzles because it's just too hot. Or you have to wait and go out when it's super late in the evening and the sun goes yeah. down. But then you've got mosquitoes. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> so it is a little. There was a stretch not too long ago. We had like ninety days of hundred degrees. Ninety days in a row. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that was staying inside and hoping your AC could handle yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, if your AC breaks, you're toast. Literally. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But we've, we've lived here for a, a lot of years, so I guess we're just used to it. Okay. Yeah, because I can't imagine this. I mean, it's also like so summers in Austria is like up to 38, 90, 39 degrees Celsius. Uh -huh. And the bad thing is that nobody in Austria has air condition. Like we oh, wow. So maybe this is what it makes yeah. hard. Yeah. You don't live in Texas without air conditioning. I've, ne I can, I've never figured out how the pioneers moved out here with no air conditioning. Yeah. Like, why would you want they to stay here? To it. Yeah. But that's probably why they look so rough all the time. They have, They're in the elements, all the, the elements time. all the time. We have a son that lives in Colorado a lot. He does whitewater raft guiding and he skis a lot. He works at ski resorts and he can't he just cannot hardly stand being in texas because there's nothing to do and it's so hot he's always got to get to the mountains or a river somewhere so he can go be be courageous and energetic and all the things yeah. <laughs> so bob sledding what kind of training do you do like take us through a typical day uh, just how do you do this <laughs> yeah the normal summer week just consists of a lot of weightlifting and squats all like olympic weightlifting are basic disciplines followed by deep squats so a lot of explosive strength training, but also some high quality sprint training. So we don't go longer than 100 meters um, because we just like, run between 40 and 50 meters and track. And we can't practice sliding in summer because there is nothing that you could do. You can go down summer bobsleigh, but it's just for tourists. It's not like the real actual steering. So what we do have are some push tracks, which is like just like rails down some hill. And you push there the sled, jump in, and then it goes back up again. And you, that's how oh. you can practice start. But basically, it's just weightlifting and sprints. Yeah. So you just practice like just your take, kind of the takeoff on that thing that just goes back up. Yeah, which is like the the going back up is just that you that you stop. So we yeah. can practice start on a kind of close sled to how it looks in the winter and the yeah. timing and everything, which is especially um, important for the foreman because uh -huh. they have to coordination to get in but this is like you go most of the time it's three times of weightlifting two or three times of sprints and then once pushing a week yeah so lots of squats yeah lots of squats that explains why bobsledders they all have like they have huge legs huge yeah. legs like tree trunks for legs because you just yeah, do squats you, you need to accelerate that at least 170 kilo sled so wow because your start is the most important thing right like it really dictates to a large degree, how you're going to be on that run. Really? Is that true? Yeah, you say it like depends. It varies a bit from the track, but you say one third is the start, one third is the material, and one third is the driving skills of a pilot. And what you lose in one of these, it's like very unlikely that you can get it back in one of the other. Oh, okay. So when you get to a track, you get to like do some test runs of the track. So you kind of know where the curves and what line to take. Yeah. 
So in the most of the European tracks, you are in the lower race series, the Europa Cup, before you go into the World Cup. Europa Cup, you have way more of sliding in a week. And a typical World Cup week is now with COVID. We slide three runs on Tuesday, training runs. Then we have Wednesday off, Thursday, another three runs, Friday off, because we have to do a lot of runner preparation, like polishing the runners for hours. And then we have Saturday, Sunday race. And on Monday, we travel but before the season starts, you also do training weeks where you can do like six runs a day if it's if there is enough ice time just to get used to the runs. And this is also why you can't be a total beginner and a good pilot because it takes a lot of experience to slide down the, the sled in different conditions and different tracks. So what is polishing? The, what do you say? Polishing the rails? Runners. Runners. What is that? Oh, yeah, the, the runners are the metal parts that um, connect the sled with the ice that we're oh, okay. On. And you just and they have to be very shiny, very clear, no scratches in. And first we sand them with sandpaper by hand, and then we polish them a long time with different pastes and stuff like this. Everyone has his own secret about it somehow, <laughs> but it's like for every race about three to four hours, and we have two races per weekend. So you're polishing for three or four hours? Yeah. This is your up oh, this, so this is your uh, upper body workout, this polishing these yeah. things. Like, oh, no, you're, you're just standing there with the machine like this. For oh, a the machine does it. Okay. No, it's, it's not, not like, like <laughs> no. like a surfboard. Okay, how often do you have to trade those out? Like the whole rail, like what's it called? Is it a rail? A rail, yeah. yeah. How often do you have to trade that out? How, oh, how runner, you know? runner. Is it a runner? Runner, runner, runner. Yeah, sorry. Like, do you have to take them off of the box and put on new ones? Yeah, we have a, a different sets of runners with us. Like, I'm traveling currently with, like, six or seven sets. They are also quite expensive, so you it takes some time that you get these back. Um, and you have them, and um, depends on the track and the temperatures, the ice conditions, you choose different runners that you try out and then you decide and polish them in the garage. Is that part of the... Um part of the three runs on that day process. Like when you get the three runs, you, you try different um, runners. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's good. So one thing I've always wanted in watching the bobsledding, there, obviously there's grooves that start forming. Is that a problem if you're lower, if, you, if you're not at the front of the pack as far as getting to start? The grooves mess you up as people have sledded on it? You mean the ones at the start that are really deep or like... Yeah, and are there any, like, within the track, are there any grooves that have started yeah. developing? This is really depending on the track and the temperatures. Yeah. Like, in Beijing, it was very dry and the ice was in good condition. So for the monobob and for the two-man competitions, there was no no disadvantage for later start numbers. For the foreman, there was because they have way more um, ice breaking underneath their runners. Yeah. Uh, this is uncommon in mostly European tracks. We have more humidity. So the earlier your start number, the better it is, except from St. Moritz in Switzerland, which is the only natural track. So they build it by hand every year, no refrigeration. And they, oh, wow. they don't put water on it. Like normal tracks are watered before the ice, uh, before the race. And they just put like some dust of water on. So it's like quite harsh when you go over. So the first sleds are making it smoother and smoother. And if you have like start number 15, 16, it's perfect. Oh, oh wow. okay. So it's the opposite of what you thought maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So for six years, you have partnered with Jennifer. What is her last name? Onasanya. 
Onasanya. Yeah, Onasanya. Yeah. Um, how? What is your relationship like with her? Like, what does she mean to you? Yeah, like without her, I would not have to be able to achieve the good results that we had. Um, sometimes we were fighting. Sometimes we were friends. It's like <laughs> the whole time together. She moved to Austria last year to train for the Olympics. Now she moves back to Holland because she's originally from the Netherlands. Yeah, without her, their start wouldn't be as good as it was. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 28. 28? Okay. And how is she about your age as well? She's the same, yeah. She's also She's the same, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so you, this is your second Olympics, right? Yeah. So how was Beijing? What were some unique challenges with Beijing? Because we, we heard it all. We heard a lot of it on the broadcast. But what for you as an athlete, what what was what were some of the tough things that happened? besides the food <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it was like also compared to pyeongchang for us pyeongchang was already far away in asia and none of the people can come in europe it's like even in sochi in russia there were a lot of family friends coming and watch and had an understanding of the sports like in pyeongchang or in beijing i mean beijing there were no visitors allowed but in pyeongchang there were nearly as less visitors at the skiing races then they've been here and for us like as an austrian it was quite hard to see our Marcel Hirsch, our most famous skier win his first gold medal with like 800 people watching where in austria would be like seventy thousand. in oh, wow. he's winning so pyeongchang was quite cool also the first time going in the opening ceremony all this stuff i didn't do this in in beijing because i got covid before we left oh, so yeah. i had proofs that my ct scores were too low I, my girls were flying already on Friday and I had to wait till Tuesday until I could go with another plane and next day was already training. So I decided to keep it as less stressful as possible. Didn't go to opening or closing ceremony. Um, for me, Beijing was just like totally reduced to sliding and doing the things around. There was not really so much of an Olympic feeling as it was in Pyeongchang. And this is probably only the only reason why I really want to go four more years to have it in Italy. Like it's two hours away from Innsbruck. Yeah, you can drive like, it down. That's crazy. <laughs> Just to have that experience with the whole, like the social part and yeah. other athletes. And... Everyone was scared to get COVID. Like yeah. there was not too much interaction with other athletes. You try to get stick together with your team. Also, in our team, we had to separate because we had another COVID case in Beijing. So in the, the boys were staying in the hotel. We also stayed in a hotel for 10 days before we moved into the village. Um, yeah, you see other people in the dining hall, but there's not much of interaction because, like, everyone was scared to get COVID. Yeah. And did you have a little bit of comfort knowing you had just had it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it was still, the tests are so sensitive. The Austrian Olympics doctors, look, we gargled with whiskey and Listerine every morning before we took the daily test because they said it could still be possible that they find some virus. So we were quite scared of every test, but yeah. not that we could get it again. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Was that the big group message every day? Was everybody's testing and everybody's good? No, it's like you can go testing between seven in the morning and 11 in the evening. Oh, so Just go a- there. And if you don't hear anything, you're fine. Oh, Why well, so stressful. I travel and do a lot of corporate shows. So this year when I've gone, we had to take COVID tests a lot. And I understand that like, you're pretty sure you don't have it, but you don't know. But it's just those 15 or 30 minutes where you have to wait. And I'm just like, I don't have to go home. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. 
this this work. So I, I can totally sympathize with those feelings. You get a little anxious of, oh, please don't let this, please don't let me test positive. Yeah. Yeah. It'd probably be yeah. worse if you had trained for the Olympics. Well, yeah, if I had spent four <laughs> years training, that would be a lot worse. But Maybe so. I can kind of understand those feelings. Of, yeah. Please don't test positive. Okay, so what is so cool about you is that, well, we don't really think about, I don't really think about Olympians, people in the Olympics having actually other jobs. You just, in our minds, we're just like, well, they're a softball player or they're a bobsledder. Like that would be your job, but you actually have a job and you're a police officer in Austria and you were named police athlete of the year. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Police athlete of the year in 2021. So that is so cool. Tell us. Tell us about that. We don't have that here. I thought that would be kind of cool to have here. So what is, what's the connection there? Yeah, it's like, I wish I could do just bobsleigh, but there's like the money. <laughs> like, it's just paying into it. A sled costs 50,000 euros, oh, excluded the runners, and you need two of it. So yeah, like, there's wow. a lot I pay for. I have good sponsors and I'm very grateful for them. But for my um, daily living, I have the police on my side. I was at the military them two years before you have that also in the u.s you can be as an athlete at the military but then you have to serve also we don't do we don't have to um for me my life at the police is kind of easy i go five weeks in police school per year and the rest i get money to do bobsleigh oh and okay and when they need me for some representative stuff i'm there and it was a big honor to get awarded last year after we won the um, overall World Cup and the European Championship bronze. They said, like, yeah, you're it. It was, it was quite cool. Also, this ceremony was with a lot of COVID stuff surrounded, so we couldn't, have, we couldn't celebrate. Yeah. But it was a big honor for me. Yeah, that is really super cool. What is police training like for you? Like, oh. It's to like, get in, what like to get it, like to get in it? Did you have to do something particular? And I know you said you have five weeks now. Yeah, the testing to get in is the is harder than the school itself. I mean, I can just speak for the sports class because the normal police um, um, students they have it for two years. Every day is a full time job. They have to do way more than me. For me, it's five weeks for five years, um, every year. Um, to get into it was quite hard. So they also had to get a language test, psychology, all this stuff. I think it's like everywhere. And when I'm in, it's like for me, four weeks of just sitting in the classroom and studying. It's easy in my case, because most of it I've learned at university already, my law studies. Mm -hmm. Then it's five days of technical training. So like shooting a gun and how to get into rooms without hurting yourself, stuff like okay. this. Yeah, that's so cool. What made you want to be, what, why did you pick police officer over like other things you could have done? Um, basically, if you want to do sports and live from it, there's military or the police. And for me, as, as I study law, um, it's uh, something for later on. At the military, you're there, you get your contract annually. At the police, I have five years and then I can work at the ministry as some law stuff. So this is like okay. a way better perspective than... Yeah somewhere else yeah that's cool awesome yeah. so what do you do like to just unwind and recharge your mind because you're you're obviously training a lot so what do you do just to relax your mind and your body and what's something fun you like to do i'm sleeping a lot <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's like you. Well, we're best friends already <laughs> yeah. 
but sometimes when the training gets hard it's also hard to find sleep in summer like sometimes in august when there's like the peak of the hardness of the training i do a lot of work with my sports psychologists i have three <laughs> one oh, wow. is like really uh, some breathing techniques and stretching and feeling your body getting back to this it's really relaxing then i do mm -hmm. some biofeedback because i have some migraine problems where mm -hmm. you just measure your heart rate or the temperature of your fingers or here and you really try to manipulate it and then you calm down This is what most of the time I do. Then in summer, if it's not too hot, I go outside. But it's also like hiking is not too good for our training because it's like long endurance stuff. It should be just short and not too exhausting. So some rivers we go in the summer to or like a reading, but it's pretty packed with training, sleeping and studying. Yeah. Okay. So how much more schooling do you have? I, I have studying, you ask, or? Yes. How much more studying? Yeah. I have three big exams left and then some smaller stuff. So it should be like two years if everything's good. And then I just do university in summer, obviously, because in winter I'm gone. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Are you a Mandalorian? I was just about to ask that. <laughs> Grogu's right over your shoulder there. Grogu. I, I, I couldn't understand you. I'm sorry. Okay. I said, are you a Mandalorian fan? Mandal the, Mandalorian, the Star Wars show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. I've been Do you watch that show? No, I just got it for my birthday, and everyone really loves it. I tried to watch it, but I'm not really into the Mandalorian. <laughs> but so it's like it's that, fun. I'm really into it, and I'd imagine that Grogu is holding up a bike with his mind. <laughs> So that's hilarious yeah he's a big mando fan and you don't have any idea you don't watch the show oh yeah i'm sorry <laughs> so funny he's been a part of this entire interview he's been watching us yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's always sitting there like he's watching everyone who's <laughs> that's so he funny all. he sees everything yeah so what's what's next for you like what are you doing the rest of the day today oh i'm studying and sleeping yeah. so the next week is quite easy um so a bit of physio stretching not not really training then i'll see i have not really planned much i go on the, at the back to the police school at the 19th of april okay. I exam uh, end of april so i'll just basically study most of the time i think when you're and in the police school for five weeks you are studying for university as well at the same time yes yeah. i also like i have to get one day off to drive to innsbruck five hours and take my exam but this is not a problem like they really want me to finish the university and because it's mm. like exactly what they are doing and maybe i'll do some more vacations before or after this i will make an easy season next year i have a lot of problems with my back and my knee got knee surgery okay. last year as well okay. and we have to let this stuff heal so like normally i would start training first of april again for the next season right. but it's like it needs some time of rest so that my inflammation of the back and of the knee can just like get out of my body and then i can train properly again and also my start mm. times be better after that yeah wow so you are planning for the next olympics there right yeah i'm trying like i need to find a new breakman to have a fresher and new team and if everything like goes like this i will continue to go yeah. because it's like i said there's still chances that the track will not be built in italy so then it's innsbruck which would be like you can't slide home olympics oh you yeah that would be cool 
That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I could train to be a workman. Like, you tell me what you need. I got your back. You like, you <laughs> Very both like fast sleep. sprinter. <laughs> we both like sleep. We, a sprinter? No, but we both, get, we both suffer with migraines. Yeah. So that, we're, we're, <laughs> we're good friends already. <laughs> so we just... Thank you so much for just taking time to interview with us. I just appreciate you from way far away. I'm so excited. We went international today and we know that you had to take time out of your day for this from all your studies. And we appreciate you taking time with us today, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Well, yes. Scott, did you not just enjoy that interview with her? I really did. I learned a lot about Austria and bobsledding and police force yeah. and university. It was just Right. So fascinating. Yeah. And also like her favorite food, which was kind of cool because that's what, Schnitzel. yeah, that's what, you know, Sylvia cooks a lot. Yeah. Your sister-in-law. Sister yes. So I thought that was super fascinating. I'm going to be real honest. As much as Sylvia has cooked a schnitzel, I thought it was a noodle. It's I not. did too. You always described it as a noodle. And when Kati said, when it's she described meat. it, I'm like, Oh, it's a I meat. Didn't, I thought it was, I thought it was handmade noodles. I did too. So see what we learned. Yes. See what you can learn on Hardy Party Five and a Half. Yeah. Well, maybe most people knew that already. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I didn't. But what I didn't know was that those those runners. I didn't know they had to polish them so much for three or four hours in before between each race. That's crazy. Or each run, yeah. and then they tried different ones. I thought that was kind of interesting. I likened it to like Drew has two or three different pairs of skis, so mm -hmm. he will try different ones, or in certain conditions he uses different ones because that's kind of what she said was. When you see the conditions where you were going, you make decisions based on that. Well, in race car driving, they have different tires depending on the track as well. Do. Or if it's been raining, they use a different type of tire. tire and oh, so. I didn't realize that. So, and I also learned that when we go visit her in Austria, I'll be in the castle by myself, mm -hmm. cold, wet, and damp, yep. but enjoying every minute. Okay. And you will be eating schnitzel with Conti. And learning how to be her break, break person. Right. Right. You got to work on the sprints, though. That's not really your strong suit. Can I just be in there and she pushes us off? <laughs> I don't think you're going to win anything that way. <laughs> Girl, push faster. <laughs> Make what her do, do all the work. What are you doing back there? <laughs> I could be your mother. Push this thing. <laughs> no, oh there's no way I could run and jump. I feel like when she said they practice, my first thought was like how they practice. Honestly, my first thought was you could practice this in a moving vehicle. I would do that in a moving vehicle. A what car. do you mean? Like put your car neutral, put it right here on the edge of this little hill and just push it and jump in. Okay. Would <laughs> you jump dangerous, but <laughs> would you jump in the window or the door? Would you open the door and jump in or would you just go through the window? Would you do a hazard it? Or would you just go through the back? Would you just crawl through from the back hatch That's to get to the front? There's no way I could crawl that fast. We'd <laughs> crash into something. I could jump into a moving car, I feel like. We just let, we need to let the neighbors know that we're practicing so they can move all their cars off the street. Off the street. Yeah, and make sure the kids are indoors. <laughs> so this is our first step into bobsledding. Practice we're going to put the car, car in neutral, and we're going to go down the hill. This is going to be great. It's going to be good. Let's try it today. We are going to train, and we're going to be in Italy, or she even mentioned it could be in Innsbruck. Yeah. So we might be there competing. That's so right. we may not be as friendly the next time we meet. Watch out for us. <laughs> right. Do you know what that a car has that a bobsled does not have? Um, air conditioning? <laughs> I don't know. I guess in a bobsled, you don't normally need air conditioning. It has a gas pedal. Oh, yeah. Which will be a combustible be, engine. It's going to be problematic when we are trying to like make a bobsled. 
if we did this, this in a is just our sled, training. Then. We would stall out on a trip. We would just like slowly come to a stop on a bobsled track. <laughs> it would be so slow going. I don't know. I think we need to watch Cool Runnings, and that's going to help in our training. Definitely. All right, research. Yeah, we might want to reconsider the whole car thing until we watch that movie. Yes. Okay. Until but it then, is, it's it's on the board. It's as on a the possibility. board. Right. It's yeah. on the board. But first, let's take a nap. That's a good idea. All right. Party party five and a half over and out. We'll see you next time.